This is Simply Meditation, an offering of Center for Self-Care, and your mindful coach, that's me, Mark Balser. Each week at 7.15 p.m. on Wednesday, we have an in-person guided meditation and short teaching at Balance for Life Yoga in Devon, Pennsylvania. Feel free to join us there or listen each week to our intro and guided practice or standalone guided practice. If you'd like to learn more, visit me at www.center4selfcare.com or email me at mark at centerforselfcare.com. Thank you and enjoy. Tonight, I thought we'll, we'll start with a short meditation, some, something like a body scan, and then jump into a practice related to maybe a challenge or a resistance or something that we're holding on to right now and explore that kind of from a body perspective, a heart perspective, what thoughts and beliefs come along with that. So you might choose to do something simple, <laughs> some annoyance. Uh, you might choose to do something a little more weighty, a little bit more serious. You probably don't want to do the biggest crisis going on real time in your life right now because it's just an opportunity to practice. But each of you have done this class before, but we've never all been together in the same room. So it's kind of cool that we're constantly re-evolving and rebuilding this group. So the scan that we're going to do, think science fiction. You know when the, the robot policeman is looking around and he like sees Terry and he like scans and it's, you know, pops up with Terry and like all his identifying information. We're going to scan through our own body, head to toe and then back up, imagining that we could almost like just scan the whole body, make these slices and kind of see what's there. If there's any sensation, if there's any areas that we tend to rush past or areas that we get stuck, you know, oftentimes like we get to here and then something happens, either it's kind of hard to get through that area of the heart and, or maybe we just kind of drop right to the belly or, you know, we try to avoid the belly and we go down through our legs and then we find an injury and so on. Whatever we find, we find. There's no, there's no right way to do this. You don't need to be particularly concentrated. We're just kind of looking to see what's in our experience right now. So we'll just do this for five or six minutes and then we'll begin the conversation. So as you're ready, letting the eyes close, allowing the breath to soften, feeling the support of the chair, the stability of the back, Might open and close the jaw, soften the muscles of the face. Relaxing into this moment. Sense how you might be aware of your experience without being attached to it. So you notice a sensation or a stimulus. 
might even label it as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. But then you let it go, holding a space of open awareness. If it feels right, I invite you to begin to scan the body, starting with the top of your head. Flow your attention to this spot. Notice sensation, feeling or thought. Now just move down the head through the area of the forehead and brow. The area of your eyes and ears. Just gently scanning for whatever you might find there. Notice what calls for your attention as you move down the cheeks, lips, and even the back of your head. And just in your own time, letting the attention flow down the jaw and neck, allowing the energy in the body to flow. Now moving to your own pace as you continue down the body, into the shoulders, arms and chest. Taking your time as you slowly scan through each layer of the body. Many teachers prefer the word intimacy over mindfulness. Invitation is to be curious as you become familiar with whatever you find in the body.
imagining the space inside the body, the volume, the length, as you continue to draw your attention down lower and lower into the body. Each of us has our own pace that feels comfortable. Sticking with that and should you find yourself at the bottom of your feet, simply begin to scan back up the body again. As we move towards a stillness and a silence, we might even find emotion there. Sadness or joy, frustration or contentment. Being aware, not trying to change it, not trying to make it a certain way. Being sure to include fingers and hands in the back. Nothing left out. You might notice a heaviness in the body as you scan your attention back up that you didn't find before, or perhaps a lightness or ease. Take another minute or two.
perhaps expanding the awareness to include the whole body. Feeling the surface of the body, the skin, expand and contract with each breath. Feeling into the breathing body. dwelling in this time of reflection and connection. As we close, you might let the breath deepen. Nourishing the body with each in-breath and out-breath. Holding this spirit of mindfulness and intimacy. As you flutter the eyes open and closed. Bring some movement back into the fingers and toes. And join again in our community of practice. Well, one of the things I wanted to think about today was kind of the idea of attachment, both in human life, but also from kind of a Buddhist perspective, that we've got uh, three poisons in the Buddhist tradition, our kind of a grasping, our craving, wanting things, our aversion, just pushing away things, and our delusion, which is so much about kind of trying to create a reality where things are those two ways that we just described, <laughs> where you have all the things you're grasping for and you don't have any of the things that you're avoiding. Like usual, the work of David White applies really nicely to this. I took a class and one of the um, lessons was called bankruptcy and impersonation, which real, I mean, like, how are we going to talk about bankruptcy and impersonation? Of course, he was talking about kind of a, a moral spiritual bankruptcy, but in a positive way, kind of like a phoenix rising from the ashes and how very often um, that impersonation is us trying to be who we used to be, you know, pretending like I'm still an investment manager or pretending that I'm still 25 years old and I can lift those heavy things and then hurting my back or shoulders or whatever it, it might be. He talks about this bankruptcy of that kind of like the final nail where you you have to come to some allowance. I'm not even, not even really acceptance, but recognizing that things aren't the way you had planned or you wanted to be. Um, so it ends up being a little bit more like letting be than letting go, which I think both of those are pretty cool things to think about. Um, and so his his line here is, um, you have to give yourself away. Give what you love away. Give the world away to see how it comes back to find you. And when it comes back to find you, it will announce your new name. And if you can listen to that name without judgment and speak that name, 
You have a better future than before you allowed it to find you and speak to you in your own words. One of our participants a couple of weeks ago said, I think I understand what he was saying, but you could have probably said it in three or four words. <laughs> He's a poet. Of course. You have to give yourself away. Give what you love away. Give the world away to see how it comes back to find you. And when it comes back to find you, it then announces your new name. And if you can listen to that name without judgment and speak that name, you have a better future than before you allowed it to find you and speak to you in your own words. And so he, he continues, I often think of dedication as a kind of contact. Will you stay in contact with what becomes unrecognizable and difficult? So we hit that challenge, we've got that holding. Can you stay in contact with what is precious to you even when it moves out of the seasonality of you being able to name it? So it's really not the time anymore. To be lost, to be thrown off course, to be bewitched, bemoaned, and bemused is a part of the whole cycle of our dedication. I've often thought that when we are blown off course, when we are far from home, that your dedication lies in the standing, the grief of that distance, and even the just the sense of that distance itself, that we often measure our sense of belonging as a kind of inverse from our distance from something, so that when we're not really getting it, we feel like we don't belong. So when you are far away from a path that you previously dedicated yourself to, any work in the world that's worthwhile when you are far away, your work is actually to feel that distance. If you are a poet, to write about the distance, the grief, the farawayness, and the imprisonment of your desires. And that in that full incarnation, when it fully becomes itself, it starts to turn into something that is about to invite you beyond yourself. So we also kind of create a small sense of self that relies on all those dreams and wishes that might not be manifesting right now or might not make sense <laughs> at any time in the future. So he calls that the, the soul-seeking bankruptcy, the soul uh, letting go, letting be in that. So the practice I was thinking about, which we'll jump into, but I want to offer a reflection and question time, is bringing to mind something that we're kind of holding on tight to. <laughs> uh, I, I'm thinking of an example that's going to sound vague, but only because I can't remember the whole story. <laughs> but I was driving with Ellie on the way back from Maine, and she was saying something that I had a very strong judgment about, and I knew what she should do, and I knew she wasn't asking for any help. <laughs> and I was having a fight inside, this battle of like, I want to say something, I want to say something, don't say something, don't say something. Mm -hmm. And just how attached I was to knowing the answer and being right and being able to solve this problem 
and actually recognizing how my mind's way of doing this when I'm not allowed to come right out and say it, I start doing saying like passive aggressive things or snarky kind of things. So I'm sitting in the car for a very long time we're driving and just saying to myself, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. I did eventually say something. It was the least snarkiest thing I could have said, but it, it still wasn't 100% perfect. But recognizing how hard I hold on to that need to be right, particularly in, in this situation about the wellness of our family and children. Um, and uh, as I sat with that, it kind of dispersed that the weight and the energy and the intensity of that kind of dispersed. And I had two ways of dispersing that by dumping it on her or by letting it disperse inside of me. So um, that might be an example of something, you know, a conflict, relational conflict that you have um, that you might want to work with tonight. Um, but also kind of dreams, memories, regrets, losses, griefs, um, just to the extent that it feels safe to do. Without naming them, do, do some things come to mind, something that you might be kind of holding, clenching, grasping onto that you might want to work with? And of course you can kind of change it and evolve it. One of the most exciting parts of this practice is when you say, I'm going to work on my relationship with my mother-in-law. And then two minutes in, you're like, oh my gosh, this is about my brother. Like, it's not about my brother. <laughs> that is the, the juicy, juicy wow stuff. So feel free to do that. Great. So we'll only practice for 10 minutes. It's already about eight o'clock or so. And I want to let us out at 8.15 so we can go to the dance party that we all have scheduled or whatever COVID entertainment you've created for yourself. So letting the eyes close again. Knowing that you're supported by the breath in this practice. The breath continues without any real effort on your part. And so you can use it as an anchor if the energy gets a little out of whack or you're caught in an emotion. Just let that breath sit in the background. I'm bringing to mind a circumstance or situation that you might want to work with. Something you've been holding on to. Something whose seasonality might have passed for the time being. Noticing as thoughts arise, perhaps allowing the experience of this challenge or situation to grow, feeling it in your body, your heart. What are you holding on to?
might be your wish for a loved one, a wish for your future, or even your past. Looking through your body, you might find where it lives. There's a tightness in the shoulders or back, a tension in the jaw. pressure in the area of the chest or heart. As it grows, you can breathe into it. Allowing it to to be there, not to take over, but to be part of your experience. Being with this, tracking it, bathing it in awareness. And we'll explore letting go or letting be, recognize how we often Hold a clenching in the body and the mind and the heart. Grasping for expectations. And I'll invite three questions. As you reflect on the situation Could you let it go? Could you let it go? Could you let it go? You'll probably find some resistance, some softness or relaxation, a spectrum of emotions, scenarios that pop up in the mind. Could you let it go? Noticing any subtle shifts in your experience. Would you let it go if you could? Would you let it go if you could? 
you're like me, you might be very attached to your suffering. So that could be a difficult step, letting it go if you could. When would you let it go? If you could and would let it go, when would you let it go? And what would that be like? What would it be like to let it go? One of the beautiful questions of inquiry practices is who would you be? Who would you be if you let that go? Who would you be? Remembering to come back to the breath if you need it. Who would you be if you let that go? Since the work of our practice tonight is letting go, the last invitation is to let go of whatever has arisen. Giving yourself a moment to rest in stillness. Perhaps bringing to mind any advice you have for yourself. Bringing in the sounds of our environment. Allowing them guide to guide you to the present moment.
And then as you're ready, letting the eyes open as we close the meditation. I should have attributed this uh, practice came from a fellow named Lester Levinson, who was dealing with a life-threatening illness, and this became his practice for the remaining days of his life, um, recognizing that I think that's one of the big things as people are dying. <laughs> they, they wish they'd let go a little bit more because there's a lot of letting go to do at the end of life. <laughs> 